What is up, Bruin Bible listeners? This is your host, Will Decker. We've got a very special sponsor to lead us off. We got Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your baseball betting needs this season as it is officially opening day. Get analysis of every play, prop, and points at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online as a whole. Uh, Bet Online is your baseball, basketball, uh, football headquarters this season. Head to our website today and use our mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use your promo code, uh, believe, to receive your bonus pay. Bet online where the game starts. Now to the Bruin Bible. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Bruin Bible. So lucky to have another returning guest. He's my friend and your favorite, Mr. Wayne Cook in the house. Wayne and I are going to be breaking down some spring ball talk, his opinions, what he saw, what he thought of the offense and defense moving forward. But Wayne, first and foremost, how are we doing on this wonderful Tuesday, Tuesday evening with the uh, the sun going down behind me here in Los Angeles? You know what, Will? First of all, thank you. I, I, I'll everybody listen, and I love being a part of this show, buddy. It's 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 fun. I I, I watch when I'm not on. I I listen and. Uh, I have I have a couple of bones to pick to, with you though because we'll start off with that. I, I'm going to say <laughs> this just because I think it's funny. If Maurice Jones-Drew Ooh. would have played in Chip Kelly's system oh. with the offensive line that we had, he would have won a Heisman. I actually agree with that. Given how explosive he was, you'd have to tackle him about five to seven yards out of, over the line of scrimmage. Maurice Jones-Drew, too, Wayne. I think a lot of people don't understand. He didn't even rush for a thousand yards in a singular season with UCLA. Can you imagine what he would do in a Chip Kelly environment? We saw him and his breakout was initially on special teams in a punt returning situation, right? Yeah. So we saw the returner. We remember the Washington game where he broke the school record in rushing yards in a singular game. And then he had this illustrious career in the NFL. But man, if you pair him last year with the guards that we had in Mafi. And, you know, John Gaines. And maybe even a year before that was Sean Ryan and Alec Anderson. Man, this would be the best tailback in the country, no questions asked. That, that's why, like, it's funny because it's it's so hard to, to in, the, in the modern world of college football because people say, well, they, they've never had this many wins. Like, well, they play an extra game every year. That kind of stuff bothers me. It's like, well, we used to play 11. You play 12 now. So, like, getting to 10 wins was like getting to nine wins for us. It was a – it's like people say things all the time and, like, the passing game. Well, he completes seventy percent of his passes. Yeah, but 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 they throw a lot of short crossing routes and little bubble screens. And I go, it's it's a different game. And hopefully, like when you watch it, like and you watch the players over the years, there's certain people that I think would have been great, and and no matter what system they played in. But Maurice Jones Drew is one of those people, kind of like our running back coach right right now, Deshaun Foster, who's wow. who's one of the best coaches in the country. And I know we're going to get into this later. I'm blown away with how deep this running back room is. But Maurice Jones-Drew had a year that year where if I watched him and I watched Reggie Bush, I could have made an argument 
that, and I think, I think Maurice had a better pro career for a short period of time that Maurice was the, was arguably as good or better. And I know people probably think I'm crazy when I say that, but that guy was unique. So just wanted to bring it up. I would have loved to have seen him just like, you know, all the great running backs we've had. I think Maurice would have been exceptional because let's just be fair. Will we're recruiting six foot six NFL. Antonio Moffey just signed for like 4 million. Okay. I just I read that just now. Okay. We didn't have – I'm not saying the guys weren't good. That's not what I'm saying. But the offensive line has been an emphasis. And I'm telling you, that's why every year, I don't care if it's Felton, I don't care if it's Joshua Kelly, and these guys are all great, by the way. But all those guys are benefiting from the system and the tight ends and the offensive linemen and everything. That's, that's why UCLA's offense has finally got to the point where we're a top 10 offense in the country, and I don't think that's going to change. No, I don't. And I, you know, one of the big questions I had out of spring camp, Wayne, I'm interested to hear your opinions, is the offensive line, you know, and it's, it was kind of a chaotic bunch in spring, uh, very inconsistent at times through practice reps, but I'll leave that to my next point. We just got Jake Wiley, you know, the Colorado transfer, double digit starts to his name coming from Colorado. And then I don't think people remember we got Kadir Kauna coming from Old Dominion. So we got, we got help on the way, so to speak, coming into fall camp. Where do you think this offensive line needs to be uh, by Coastal Carolina, the opening game, for this offense to be humming as a unit? Because, Wayne, we've talked about it at lengths. This might be the deepest offensive group in terms of skill position players that I can remember at UCLA, but it all boils down to what the line can do in terms of protection, especially if it's for a young quarterback in Dante Morway. Yeah, I, I, first of all, I think um, the great thing about the transfer portal is that you know, teams like UCLA, in my opinion, are using it correctly. Um, they don't just recruit high school kids to recruit them. And we've seen what happened at, at Texas A&M. We've seen what I mean. They had a ton of guys leave. Yeah. yeah, UCLA's had a few guys leave, but they haven't been four- and five-star athletes. They've been guys that weren't necessarily playing, and they're, they're, they're going to leave because they want to go play somewhere else, not because they hate UCLA. Um, and so I think the way the staff has recruited the, the person – Obviously, Chip Kelly likes big people. Okay. Wiley's what, 6'6, 310? And he looks every bit of 6'6, 310. I mean, he looks the part. Would you, I think, 20 or 22 starts? I mean, I think he's played quite a bit. I, I think the Me kid too. out of Dominion's played a lot too. Both are, you know, guys that, and again, so what if it's Colorado? I know people think, well, Colorado was terrible, but so, so what? But, you know, to play in the in the Pac-12 and to be able to block defensive linemen in the Pac-12, which, I mean, I watched the game. I mean, UCLA whooped Colorado, but it wasn't like Colorado didn't do anything on offense. They, they had a quarterback that I think was 5-2 and scrambling around, and, 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 and he did some things. And so, I don't know. I'm excited. I actually think it was a missing piece, Will, because I don't think we – I felt like we were lacking in depth. Agreed. And, and and it feels like when you can add another potential starter um, and, and into the mix, now we have maybe six or seven guys that are fighting for five spots. We may also have some guys that you can rotate in to give guys a rest because the one thing we've learned about Chip Kelly and what the brilliance of what he does is his roster plays. Like you, if you're in the too deep, you play like you're going to get in and offensive line typically doesn't rotate as much, but we've seen it in the past. He will rotate guys and keep people fresh. And I think it's important. So 
thought it was a huge pickup. I'm not 100% sure we're done, right? There's like a thousand players yeah. in the portal, the portal still. So there's still there's still more out there, I believe. But I, I really, really like that pickup because I think it adds to competition. And I think now when you add another tackle into the mix too, you can't relax. Like you can't be thinking, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. I don't care if you're DiGiorgio. You, okay, you can play right or you can play left. Let's see who the best guy is, and that guy will play left tackle. So I think it adds to competition, and that's awesome. I completely agree. And you want your guys competing for their starting jobs. You want them to kind of have an edge to them when they get out on the football field because nothing is easily achieved that's worthwhile having. So just having a DiGiorgio battle for that starting job, it's going to be amazing. I'm confident in these guys on the line. Duke Clemens, I'm probably the most confident in the center. You know, returning starter, we know what we have in Duke Clemens. He's a very, very solid center. I know you saw the PFF ranking of the top, you know, 10 centers within college football. Duke Clemens came in at number eight on that. Um, Holstege, I'm confident in him just knowing the level that he was at in the Big Ten. I think there's a case to be made. SEC produces the best skill position players and most of the time defensive linemen, but the offensive linemen from the Big Ten – that's just a different group. It's a different group. So Holstead being there is huge. DeGiorgio's, he's a Pac-12 level starter. I, I'm confident in him. I, I like what I see from him. And then you add these two tackles. And I think the, the point that people are missing, yes, it's a chaotic group right now, and we may not be done the transfer portal. But if you remember that opening game, Wayne, against Bowling Green, we had multiple false starts. And I know it was 100 and you know whatever degrees it was at the Rose Bowl that day. But it was a brutal look to start. You know, it was a chaotic bunch. We had Moffey playing his first game as like an offensive guard on the offensive side of the ball. We had Raekwon O'Neal transferring in. It didn't look smooth. It didn't look seamless. I had a lot of questions coming out of that game. But from beginning of season to season's end, Tim Drevno had that group humming in a way that I think was maybe one of the more underrated coaching jobs for a specific position in any group in college football. So I do have a lot of confidence there in the offensive line. But, Wayne, let's take it to the quarterback battle. Yeah. We we talked about it early in camp. I thought Dante was a little bit further behind uh, than Garbers at that point in time. And you just saw the progression through camp. And I still have Garbers slotted as my number one guy coming out of spring practice. But, man, Dante has closed the gap a little bit more than I thought he was able to do, especially at 17 years old. Some of the throws he made, some of the reads. What was your take on the quarterback battle and in between Garbers and Moore, as I think those are the two guys that realistically have a shot at taking starting reps for UCLA this year. So since the last time we talked, Will, I, you know, I, I, I know you're at practice all the time, but I get to my Saturday practices when I can. Um, but I get a chance to talk to a lot of the coaches, and, and they're, they're fired up about the quarterback room. I, I can promise you that. And you and I have talked about it before. I think we have four four division one starters and, and a fifth guy that may be president someday. So yeah. we're, 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 we're really loaded at that position with character and with talent and it's, and, and they have all got big time arms and it's amazing. Um, the, the and, I, and again, I want to preface this by saying this too. Colin Schley had a quote uh, that came out about what he did at Kent state and about how it was a lot of one, maybe two read stuff. This is a major problem. Um, I had a chance to, the reason why I say, I, I say it's a major problem in, in all sports now, because we have offensive coordinators at lower levels all the way through high school and even into college that have decided that I'm so smart. I'm going to give my not so smart quarterbacks just one little read. And because I'm so brilliant, I'm going to 
make everything work. We're going to simplify it and make everything work. And then that's why we also want to recruit ultra athletic guys, because when that one reads not there, they can take off and run. And it, it may work, but the problem is, is that kid now is being limited in their growth and their maturity. And Colin also talked about how it's not that way in Chip Kelly's system. And I, I can't emphasize enough how much I respect what this coaching staff under Chip Kelly has done in the last five years. Again, I've been doing this for over 20 years, and I, I, I'm so proud of UCLA reminds me of what it was back when I played. We had so many good coaches and so many good players that everywhere you looked, you saw a future NFL guy. And, and, I, and I, can, I can drop names right now just to clarify what I'm saying because we had multiple and a lot of first-round picks too. Those guys, are they're on the field. They're all over the place. And so the system is also complicated. So you need to have the right type of people. You need to have smart people that are willing to learn and create things. And going all the way back to now, you mentioned Dante Moore. We've already, we already know that he has talent that is unbelievable, right? We, we're now learning that he, he picks up stuff fast too, which is there's, there's more than one side to being an athlete. Like I always laugh when people are like, well, he's a great athlete. I go, yeah, but can he process? Can he think? Does he have yeah. the intangibles? Because usually the great ones, and I can name – a bunch of really slow quarterbacks that like, you know, Dan Fouts, Dan Marino, um, Brady. Uh, uh, I could name Peyton Manning and, and Eli Manning. I could, I could keep going around the, the, and for people that don't think those guys could play today. You're crazy. In the system that we have nowadays with so many receivers getting out into the patterns and people are always open. I guarantee you guys, those guys would still be great because they would get the ball to the right person at the right time. Now you, you throw in an Andrew Luck into the mix. And now you got a guy that can do that, but he can also run around a little bit, move a little bit, or a Joe Burrow, he's a little bit more athletic, and he can run around a little bit. Now you're going, oh, my gosh, now we're talking in best of both worlds. But um, Dante seems like he has a little bit of all that stuff, right? Like you, you, you throw out the, uh, uh, the comparisons to it because you watch the way he throws. You, you look at you know Patrick Mahomes. Everybody loves to do that, which is weird because he's going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen just because of his overall ability, but the guy runs a four, eight, you know, he's not necessarily a guy that he beats you with his legs because he's smart. He knows when to run. He knows when to take off. He knows when to slide. But I, I feel like if we give Dante a chance, he's going to grow into, I'm not going to put that on him, Patrick Mahomes, but into one of the better quarterbacks we've seen, because what I look for in a quarterback is the Cade McNown factor. Cade McNown in his last two years had moments where he willed UCLA to win. The great quarterbacks, the Peyton Mannings, the John Elways, the remember the John Elway pirouette in the end zone when he was old and couldn't run anymore. And it's the Packers. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the players that always make the clutch play when it matters the most. I think that's what UCLA is looking for. Like, we really need that person that's going to win that Oregon game late, that's going to win the SE game late. And so it, it's a struggle. So I know, Will, this is a really long, long, long answer, but if Dante Moore, with all his talent and skill, can be really comfortable in a very in, a, in an offense that takes a lot, and he's going to be throwing against. I'll, I'll bring Clark Phillips from from you know I know he's gone, but like but you as an example that. of a Division One DB, he didn't see guys like that in high school. None, none of us. None. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. They're they're out there because obviously they come from somewhere. But the speed of the game is crazy different. It's crazy different. And everybody's good. And you're also at 17, 18 years old going to be playing against, you know, 21 and 22-year-olds. 
and maybe even a little older when you when you go to Utah. Um, and so, like, it, it's a really difficult, difficult game. And even Kate McNown, which I mentioned, his first two years, he made a ton of mistakes. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, his first couple of years, was not the same player he was his last couple of years. People tend to improve a lot. So what, what I don't want is for us to put such high expectations with this team that we're going to keep talking about that I think is absolutely loaded and has a chance to be even better than they were last year. I really do. I really believe that. I don't want to put that all on a freshman's shoulders if he's not ready yet. If he's ready, play him. We all see his talent. And I promise you some coaches are probably ready for him to go right now. Why even, why even wait? And other coaches might be tapping the brakes a little bit because that's one thing I've learned in all my years of covering football. Some of my teammates didn't really know football that well. They were just great athletes. And not all coaches see things the same way. It's like talking to politics about people. We can watch the same video and everybody sees something different. So, exactly. so <laughs> that being said, Ethan Garbers, I agree right now, has got the keys to the car still. But he's looking in the rearview mirror. Yeah. And, it's and, and that's scary because when that person behind you is, is, is getting close or even drafting you at this point and absorbing everything you're doing, and not to mention there's a guy off to your right that's another car back that's Colin Schley, who's an, an, an elite athlete, who I know for a fact that Chip Kelly is like, dang, this guy's athletic. Like he's like – this guy is really, really good. Um, when you have that trail in you, it makes it hard. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this too, and I think I said this the last time we talked. Ethan Garbers is going to be put in a terrible situation. Yeah. And I don't know how many people can handle it because the nation wants Dante Moore to start. ESPN wants Dante Moore to start. Everything you look at that has depth chart, they want Dante Moore to start. Ethan Garbers was a four-star, but Dante Moore is a five-star. We love to do that. We love to call people the next Heisman Trophy, the next great thing. And sometimes I think it's to the detriment of other players. So here, here's what I hope. And, and I just talked for 10 minutes, but here's what I hope. I hope whoever wins the job wins the job because of the best quarterback when we go into game week. I don't want it to be based on potential because this team's too good for that. If you get in and you can't handle the heat, which is going to be if, – if it's Ethan, he's going to have to handle the heat because every time he makes a bad throw or throws an interception – People always want the other guy. The backup is always going to come in and, and be great to the fans, especially if he's a popular person. I dealt with that at UCLA. I had a couple of bad games my senior year, and people were chanting for Ryan Fien to come in the game. because. And then, you know, all, when they get in, it doesn't always work out better. So you have to be careful. So anyway, I love what's happening at UCLA. I love the battle. I love the competition. And, and I think whoever wins is going to be the guy that's the best quarterback when we go into game week is up Bruin Bible listeners. We have another advertisement for you. We are so lucky to be sponsored by the great people at athletic greens. Uh, I started taking athletic greens specifically because I was lacking energy, lacking focus throughout the day and needed some special pick me up ingredients to make things happen in my life. Athletic greens has done just that. I've become absolutely addicted to the process it has over 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, adaptogens to make your life easier uh, by doing this during the day. I like to take it to start my mornings off. I like to do it before a workout. It makes you feel energized, focused, and just have a lot more energy throughout the day than I typically expected. But right now, is the, it's the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. Uh, that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. 
Uh, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to be give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash LAFB. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash LAFB to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens, a game changer when it comes to your health and your focus and your mindset. Yeah, and you made a lot of great points on that. And, you know, it's not – Garbers is talented spinning the rock, but I remember watching the drills in the first few days of camp and going, wow, Schley is bigger than Garbers. He's faster than Garbers. He's got a, the strongest arm of the bunch, which shocked me because I thought Justin Martin may have the strongest arm just given that size and pedigree. I actually think Schley has a little bit of a stronger arm just in terms of zip. He might have the strongest arm of all of them. Like, yeah. to be honest with you, he just doesn't always use other speeds. Yeah, you know, so you have that with Colin Schley, and then you go watch the 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11. Eleven eleven. It's like, oh, this is why this guy gets it. Give me a guy that knows the offense front and back and, you know, has like can just move the football. That's all you really need to do. That is your main job as being a starting quarterback at a Division One college. So, and so hey, hey Will, yeah. just, just real quick, because you know I get pumped up about this stuff. Yeah. Um, anybody out there that doesn't think that Ethan Garbers is talented enough to be an NFL quarterback doesn't know quarterbacks. I, agree. I don't know if, if mentally um, he's got what it takes, because that part we have to find out when they, when they play more. I, I've seen enough to where I know that he can come back for – he made a few mistakes. He's thrown a couple of interceptions, but he's also – Shown he has legs. He scored rushing touchdowns. He played in the toughest environment in the Pac-12, at least lately in Utah, and actually threw some freaking just wasn't his That was the he's got an extremely ball. quick release. Um, he's got so many things going for him. So, like, that's what makes this so hard. I agree with everything you said about Schley. I, 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 we're not even talking about Justin Martin right now, and, and that's not fair because I, I really do think he's going to sit at four. But holy cow, is he got an upside that I, I don't even – and a work ethic and everything else. So, like, UCLA has a has so much. But for anybody out there that's like, well, you know, Ethan Garbers isn't talented enough, I'm like, I don't know what you're watching. I, I, no. I just think – I don't know if mentally he can handle all of this that's going on. I don't know how good he's going to be late in games. I don't know. We saw it in the bowl game, though. He, he, he led a game-winning drive if that stinking kicker didn't make an unmakeable freaking field goal on 800-mile-an-hour win. Um, we win that game, and Garbers is going into the offseason to hero, along with TJ. So I, I just love where UCLA's at. Dante's going to be the starting quarterback at UCLA at some point. At some point. May not be this year. Maybe game one. Maybe game five. Who the heck knows? But all I know is whoever wins this job has a lot to work with. Yeah. And give me, I mean, you were making some great points. Physical to me is about 20% of it when it really boils down mental. That's 80% of it at the quarterback position. It's game on the line. Are you willing to stand in the pocket, take a hit and deliver a throw over the middle to the wide open receiver. And I will say this Garbers is mentally tough, but man, the, the emotional maturity I saw from Dante Moore, just as a set, like you were there probably at the press conference when he came out yeah. and he's shaking all the reporters hands at 17. Yeah. I mean, kids don't do that nowadays. I mean, that is, that is so damn impressive, man. Yeah. Dante is a special, special talent, man. So going in, like how confident are you that Garbers gets the first snap against coastal Carolina, knowing what we know from spring ball now? 
Zero to one hundred percent. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not. Oh wow. Okay. I, I'm not because when you have when you have talent that's as good as UCLA has, and I'm telling you, man, you know, college league is going to get better in the summer. Because because when you're guessing, and this is a bigger point that I was trying to make earlier, um, football is about processing and getting the ball out and getting it to the right people. And, and in this offense, um, if you can do that, you're going to excel. I, especially because I think that all the quarterbacks in the quarterback room right now are going to utilize the outside receivers more than we have in the past. Oh, my gosh. We're especially gonna- with the talent that we have. I mean, like, like you're going to be able to use slot receivers, your X and your Y, your – you're you're going to use your tight ends. You're going to use your backs. I mean, it, it, you've got the. It, I truly think that this offense hasn't shown what a quarterback who really can get through their progressions and find the people quickly. And I'm not saying. I mean, we just had a fifth round draft pick quarterback, so it's like obviously Dorian Thompson Robinson was really good, but his skill set, just like you talked about it before, if you're going to coach um, Jalen Hurts, you're not going to coach him the same way that you're going to coach. Patrick Mahomes or Kirk Cousins or like, and, I'm, I, and I know that some people are like, well, what do you mean when you say that? I just mean that every quarterback has a different skill set. And so you're going to use them the way that they're to be utilized. And I just think this offense from what I've watched over the last several years, it's like there's dudes open pretty much all the time. Oh, and man. the better our receivers get, they're even more open and just get them the ball. But Wayne, you guys completed 70% of your passes last year. I know that's awesome. I just, I just truly believe that it can happen, but that has to happen in the biggest games. It has to happen when you meet it the most because, as you point out, the mental part of being a quarterback, all these guys have the talent. Who's that dude that's going to puke in the middle of the field like Cade McNown and then freaking call a play and lead your team to victory? I mean, like, who's that guy? Who, who's yeah. the people that, you know, and those guys don't come around very often. But I think we might have a few of them, to be honest with you. I really do. I think so too, man. And I think we kind of already pivoted to the wide receiver room. Let's just run with it, man. We came into this camp thinking we had the most talented receiver group we've ever had. I know I had you on the first week. We were raving about Sturdivant. We were raving about Kyle Ford. The guy that kind of was like a smokestack, he got hotter and hotter at the end of camp, Braden Pagan. I want to hear your words on Pagan because coming out of camp, I think this guy – it's kind of crazy because he's the outside receiver and he's kind of the third guy between Ford and Sturdivant. He's going to get time. He's going to play, but six foot four, 195 pounds runs like a gazelle yeah. was routinely making one handed catches in practice. I think the sky is the limit for this guy. And I'm just, I'm so excited because we didn't get to really see the Braden Pagan experiment last year. He has no catches to his name in a college game, but I think he's going to be kind of the secret weapon that this receiving core has that may also be the deepest receiving core UCLA has ever had. So, Wayne, talk to me about the receiving room and talk to me about Braden Pagan because there's a lot to like with this kid, man. So when I was when I was watching UCLA uh, in the 80s, when I was a high school kid, um, they had players like Mike Sherrard. Okay, Mike Sherrard, unbelievable human, unbelievably fast, very high draft pick. He was a great player. Flipper Anderson was a great player. But during more my era, we had Sean LaChapelle, who was a fifth-round draft pick, I believe, and played played in the league for a little while, had some injury issues. But Sean LaChapelle was really, really good. We had um, my two guys. Um, J.J. Stokes was an All-American for me my junior year, and then Kevin Jordan was an All-American for me my senior year. 
I don't remember that happening very often in UCLA history. We had back-to-back receivers that were all American. After I left, we got to watch people like um, Danny Farmer who and Freddie Mitchell. And like, we used to have guys that were NFL bodies. They were big. They were six foot three, six foot four. They could run. They ran great routes. Like every one of those guys that I, that I mentioned were all NFL talent, NFL bodies. We got those guys now. Sturdivant is, is an NFL draft pick who every practice I went to caught at least one deep ball where it seemed like he was two or three yards behind the person. Like he runs very good routes. He's just so athletic. Um, Ford has the body of a linebacker and he's out there running receiver. He's, he doesn't have as much speed. I, and I, I, I'm, I'm just eyeballing it. You could argue that someone has 40 times. I don't know, but I, I, it just, but he still gets open. Big receivers have a way of using their bodies to, you know, to, to get open. JJ wasn't known to be the fastest guy in the world, but he was the 10th pick in the draft and played over a decade in the NFL. You know, really, he outrun a lot of people too. Like some people just have that ability. We got the guys coming back and Brown and, and, and Titus Mokia Altamalala and Logan Loya. And we got all these people that have experience in the system. Um, and then you throw in Pagan, who you and I have talked about. Like every time I go to practice, I'm like, okay, who's that guy? Yeah. And so as I told you, and I had a chance to talk to coaches. I, I was at an event with Jerry Neuheisel and I go, and I was, I always love it when, when, when I'm like, I like to be affirmed. Like when they're like, yeah, this is what we see. I'm like, do we just need to shake him and tell him he could be as good as anybody out here? And he goes, yeah, we do. <laughs> because we all know that there's a ton of guys. If you've ever met a receiver, the, the default is they're going to tell you how good they are. And then they're going to prove that they're probably not as good as they think they are. He seems more the quiet, like he doesn't know how good he is. And again, if you're a receiver, I apologize if I put you down right there, but, but, you know, receivers and corners love to talk and all that stuff. But I, I would love it if you would actually play as good as you talk sometimes. And really? so I think for him though, I want to kind of go up to him and be, and I haven't had a chance to yet, but I will, I promise. Dude, you're as good as anybody out here. Own it. Sean LaChapelle, when I play with Sean LaChapelle, and again, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm comparing a white receiver to a white, white receiver. And I apologize for doing that, but Sean LaChapelle was, was he, he was, he knew he was good. He knew that you couldn't guard him. He knew that he was going to get open. He just knew he was good. And I think that you have to have that um, at any position, to be honest with you, when you get on the field, it can't be fake though. Can't be just talk. It has to be real. You have to believe it. So I hope he's going to check this podcast out because I would love to throw to a guy like that. I I really would, because I I think he can be really, really good. Here's the problem. It's really going to be hard. To get, yeah, you're gonna have to fight your butt off for reps in this receiving room because there's a lot of good players, and we're even leaving out a couple of guys. There's a lot. There's a lot of players that when you watch practice, like, well, that guy's pretty good. Well, that guy's pretty good. So, um, really, again, I I just it's as deep as I can remember it. It it really is. And we got guys waiting in the wings too. I mean, Jeremiah McClure, true freshman coming in. I mean, he looked outstanding. Josiah Norwood always makes catches out there, and he's fast right you kind of forget how quick he is when he gets out there and goes and so and he's another guy and don't don't when you forget about norwood and loya yeah those guys know the system really really well and that slot position has always been really really crucial going back to what kyle phillips did like and i think titus is going to play there some we might see keegan jones playing there some like all of those guys are going to have an opportunity to, to shine at a position where a lot of those crossing routes are wide open. 
And, yeah. and I'm telling you, man, it's a huge weapon in this offense. So those guys are going to be valuable. Absolutely. Uh, if you had to give me one breakout wide receiver outside of Pagan and the guys we mentioned, who comes to mind for you in this offense? You know, I, I've kind of said for a while, we just talked about the slot position that if, if, if Logan Loya is given more opportunities, I think he's a diamond in the rough. I, I don't know if, if you re, we, we talked about this. You remember the the touchdown where he kind of like everybody kind of went, Ooh, I didn't know he was that fast. Utah game, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm kind of like, I think Logan Loya has an opportunity to be really, really good. I don't know if he's quite Kyle Phillips, but who is right? Kyle Phillips was elite. So, yeah. so like, but, but who knows? It, it's going to be a battle too. I, I, Cause I, again, is Titus going to be in there? Is um is is uh, is Keegan going to be doing more of that? I think Keegan's going to be the jack of all trades, to be honest with you, because um, we'll talk about running backs too. But like, like that one, you know, he's going to do a lot of stuff. But I think Logan Loya has a chance to be really, really good. Yeah, Loya was my pick too, and just yeah. I think every time he made a catch last year, whether it was the touchdown catch he made in the Sun Bowl to the game ceiling catch we just referenced against Utah with like a sixty-seven yard touchdown. He made big plays and small opportunities. I think with a more pro-style offense moving forward, I mean, Logan Loya, I mean, why can't we give this guy 40 targets next year and just kind of see what happens at the very least? So I'm with you on that. TMA is another guy that I'm like sleep like. TMA, to me, if he did not get hurt in those spring practices, because those first two, he was the third best receiver on my depth chart. TMA and Cam Brown are two great guys, too, who, who you root for and that are coming back. I'm just curious. I don't know if you're curious about this, Will. I'm curious to see what really lines up. Like, cause you know how you might have two guys playing. I don't know what they have. If they're both X, but Sturdivant and Ford are both X. That was my guy, JJ spot. I mean, that, that was that weak side receiver that you can, you can motion away from and have them out there on an Island. All you want. Are they going to stay that way? Or is it possible that how do we decide who X is and who Z is? You know, how do we get the best athletes on the field at, at one time? And I know that getting guys to know multiple positions is very important. So I'm curious with this much talent to see how they, they orchestrate it when it, it all comes down to who who's getting a lot of minutes at what spots. And, I mean, we referenced Garbers and Moore as probably the two likeliest guys to be starting. Could you ask anything more from a first-time starting quarterback, like officially given the keys to the offense, than having this receiving core, just the weapons that they have. Deepest in UCLA, recent memory I can I can remember. So it's going to be fun to watch, Wayne. I, I'm stoked. Let's get to the running back room. Um, you know, a lot of hype in this room as well. Carson Steele, you know, making a transfer in here. But to be honest with you, Wayne, I think TJ Harden's got to be RB number one after what I saw in training camp. And it's just – it's a little bit of everything. He's He's got the quickest, you know, first step once he gets in there. And to quote our guy Deshaun Foster, if you are elite and only if you are elite, you'll make the first guy miss no matter what right. when it comes to the football field. Harden definitely has that quality. And the part that separated him the most for me is he's an underrated pass catcher that I never saw, that I never saw it last year. But this guy can, you know, make the catch that can get, you know, a third and six and move the, st- move the sticks on a first down. So – I'm really pleased with what I saw from Harden. I'm really pleased by what I saw from Yankoff. He looks like he slimmed down a bunch. I know we talked about him earlier. You know, we got Atkins back there too. We got we got a like a, a barrage it's, it's of guys. Stupid. It's it, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It, it, it's it's so funny to me because like last year, my 
concern was we didn't have the two backs that we always had before. Like we, we feel like we always, we had Britton Brown, you know, that was there. We had, you know, Demetric was coming. Like we had, we felt like we always had like coach Kelly doesn't want to kill people by running them 28 times a game. We saw that with Charbonnet quite a bit where we would play other people. And it seemed like everybody that came in and, and TJ was hurt a lot, but when he played, we go, dang, he's good. And then Colson started getting some action because I think we were kind of forced to do that. We're like, because I've been told, I, I met people that played against um, Yankoff in high school that were like, dude, he was one of the best athletes that's ever come through our league. Like, he was that good. And I've seen him throw a football, and I'm still waiting for a, a, a halfback pass. Ooh, it could be coming. Dude's got a big arm. He was a four-star so, quarterback, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so Yankoff, uh, not to mention Keegan, who we talked about, who played slot. Deshaun's admitted it, and I asked him, too. I'm like, he's just doing that like Kaz did, right? And they're like, yeah, we just want him to be – we want to get him on the field. So think about it. Deshaun told me Carson's got really good hands and is a really good athlete. We, we already know we like TJ. We had him last year, and when he's healthy, he's really, really good. We saw what he could do, and he's gotten better, and he looks better. I agree. Um, we know what Keegan can do out of the backfield. If that dude catches a swing and you think you've got an angle on him, you're probably wrong. The There's only a few people that exist that have the kind of speed that good athletes take the wrong angle on over and over and over again, just because like your brain can't compute. Like if I go right here, I'm going to catch him. And then they're by you. And you're like, what the heck just happened? That's stupid speed. Like most guys are fast, but that's like stupid fast. Keegan's got that hang catch too. Yankoff can catch. We've seen that too. him in the flat. He's, and he's like a tight end going out on a pass route um, where, where he can catch as well. So all these guys, every one of them is a weapon. The only thing I will say about who, who's starting, we don't hit and, 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 and spring or fall. So we're really going to learn a lot. And in, and in chip system, I have a feeling TJ and Carl, all these guys are going to get reps. When we start playing and we see that yardage after contact and we see how guys make people miss in the hole and stuff like that, because to be honest with you, in practice, we don't really ever see that. So yeah, the guys look great and they look amazing, but running back's one of the hardest things to predict. But it just feels like we've got a deep, like ridiculously deep receiver and running back room. And we haven't even talked about tight end because it feels like with Carson Ryan coming back, um, we, we've got we, we've got three or four tight ends as well that can, that can play and, and be really, really good. So I just – offensive line – if you do your thing and we're good there, this offense is going to be nationally ranked and, and right there. All right. Are you over 550 yards of total offense next year projected? Do you think we can hit that over? Because I think this is going to be the best offense Chip has had from top to bottom with UCLA. What worries me is like if a Dante Moore comes in and it's new to college football and it may be a little harder for him to move the sticks and things like that. But I think the ceiling of this offense could be well over 550 yards. It could be 600 yards. Of total what offense were we, what were we last year? We were 500. So we had, I think it was 250 yards passing. We were 475. I will say that probably. So there's, there's, there's two things. There's two things that so we, we lost a lot of productivity at tight end. Um, we, we relied on, on Bobo a lot. And we relied on, um, obviously, Charbonnet. You know, when he was in there, remember, he wasn't in there for a few games. Um, you know, Kaz Allen was a big play waiting to happen. Um, we had uh, 
you know, like we said, we've had we had two guards drafted, which Elite those guys guard. are going to be hard to replace. I mean, Gaines was fourth round, and and, and Mafo was fifth round. I mean, I can't remember the last time that happened at UCLA either. By the way, I mean that's that's saying something. Um, so so like all of those factors put into play, not to mention how many yards that Dorian Thompson Robinson got with his legs. So so here's here's what happens. The yards that, Do- that Dorian Thompson Robinson got with his legs because he was one of the most electric running quarterbacks in the entire country last year. You can get those yards by getting the athletes that you just mentioned the ball in space when they're open. So th- there's two ways to do it. I come off my primary read. I feel a little pressure. I step up in the pocket. I see a lane. I go get 10 yards or seven yards or eight yards. But when you watch Dante and Garbers, they're going to move up in the pocket and they might – drop off a little kind of like Mahomes will do he'll drop off a little or or Joe Burrow he'll drop off a little something to get a guy the ball and he'll run for eight or nine more yards you're getting your athletes the ball so you can get those same yards by just doing what you're supposed to do within the offense based on your talent level so I'm going to agree with you with the caveat that we lost some good offensive linemen and we have to see if those guys can 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 mesh because that's the key and we also lost some some we lost four four drafted players, so you got to replace those guys, two skill and two linemen. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. And just to reference, they averaged five hundred three point six yards of total offense last year. So we're, we're like six in the nation. What, what was what did it end up being? Was it, weren't we top ten? We were top ten offense. Yes, I'm offense, not. Yeah. Yes, we were top top ten offense on that front. Um, it's pretty again, good. UCLA fans, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's almost like this chip guy can do some great things out there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm stoked on it. I think we can exceed that number. I think we could be even higher, just given the level of talent we have at these skill positions. Let's move to the defense, Wayne. You've been so gracious with your time. Be a little bit quicker with this one. Give me who you thought on the defensive side of the football that really stood out to you. I know we talked about Oladejo. Um, a guy that really jumped out to me was Keanu Williams a couple times in practice. He was disrupting the offensive line, the Oregon defensive line transfer. Um, secondary, I mean, Alex Johnson, I was talking to his dad just about every practice. That guy is always in the right place at the right time. And you just – it pays to be punctual in football, be where you're supposed to be at. And that guy is awesome at that. And then just – I mean, Kamari Ramsey showed some great flashes in the safety spot. I think he's going to – have a clear shot at starting next to Jordan Anderson, the Bowling Green transfer coming in. There was a lot of names that I really liked. Who stood out to you on the defensive side of the football and who thinks going to be good? So, so I'm a, first of all, Coach Lynn stood out to me. Um, yeah. Yes, as our new D coordinator. I, I was blown away with his, um, his just demeanor. I, I, I mean, I, I, I did ask him how old he was, which I probably shouldn't have. And he, he's in his thirties and I went, I go, that's around, I mean, I, you were a baby when I was playing. So it's like, it's just like, but being around the Baltimore Ravens system and being around the NFL, when you mix that in with a guy like Ken Norton, who has been a defensive coordinator and you got a, a coach in, in Norwood. And I like the idea that we have multiple defensive back coaches because that's been a problem. Um, I just came to the realization the other day that Whitfield uh, is, co- is the son of Bob Whitfield. I did not know that because they're not built the same. Bob Wilfield was a great offensive lineman for Stanford and went on to play in the NFL for the Falcons. We were on a recruiting trip together at UCLA. No way. And I, so I made the connection watching a video the other day. 
but I, I love having him back and his youth and his energy. And I can just feel every one of these coaches just not only are they really smart. And I think Chip Kelly kind of wants to surround himself with smart people. Um, I just do because I think Chip's really smart too. I think he wants to be around that. And I think he's hired coaches that are really, really smart. They've got a ton of energy. I think players are going to want to play for them. And I think we're seeing that because people are coming in a lot quicker than they're leaving. Um, and, and like I said, people are leaving for the right reasons because they want to go play somewhere else because they're not going to play here. Um, that being said, I think that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start that the, this, this staff is in place. Um, and then I'm going to go to the front seven. I mean, I yeah. heard Chip kind of talking about this, the, the linebacking core. Um, and we'll start with Latu, who I think could be the defensive player of the year in the entire conference. Um, I know that's some people might be, well, what about the, so what? I mean, like, like he's as good as anybody. He, he's a sack waiting to happen. And I think he's only going to get better. And I think, you know, when you, you mix in being a great pass rusher with actually being an awesome run stopper too, and a guy that can chase people down from the backside, he's so athletic. You, you just, when you watch people run, there's NFL scouts will tell you this. Some guys look stiff or that you watch their hips and they don't have that bent. He's not stiff. Not He's an athlete and he moves like an athlete. And so I think NFL scouts are going to drool over this guy. Um, so I, I think he's going to have a, a really good year. Um, the Murphys, the last practice I was at, they got kind of chewed out a little bit by coach Kelly because they were talking too much. And um, I know those guys love each other, the play, the, the not the coach and the, and the players, but I love that coach does that because those guys aren't afraid to talk to the refs and those guys aren't afraid to get penalties every once in a while too. And, 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 and we got to make sure that doesn't happen. So I love that. I love their energy though. You want guys like that. It's easy to tell a guy to stop doing that because they're too fired up. It's hard to get people fired up. And so like, for me, I love, those guys are great. You mentioned Ola Dejo at linebacker, but you've talked about this before. Darius Mousao is going to make another jump. I thought he was better. I don't know if you agree with this, but I thought he was better the second half of the year last year than he was the first. Yeah. I thought he improved. I thought he looked more like more fluid and looked like he kind of was like, um, I think he's going to keep getting better. I saw him at practice the other day and he's another great guy that you root for. Um, but I'm kind of hopeful. This is where, where, where I'm hopeful. I'm looking at Kirkwood and Humphreys at, at our corners. These guys. Don Humphreys, yes. They've got the bodies and they've got, they've just got to play better. And I don't know if it's, I know Kirkwood got hurt last year, but you just, you have, we have to play better. We, we can't have the bowl game where we give, it's too easy. We, we, we can't have guys just playing six, eight, 10 yards off when they only need three yards. Like we, we have to find out. And again, part of that's not just players, right? Part of that's the system. It's what you do and all that good stuff. But like, we need better play out there. So I don't know if there's going to be more corners coming in. I don't know, you know, who, you know, there's other players um, that we've mentioned, but those two, I really want to see those guys step up and have big years because I think they're good enough to do it. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Jay toy is another guy that was disrupting on the defensive line. He looks fantastic. And you made a great point about Muwasau. You know, it was kind of swept under the rug. This guy was second team all pack 12 at linebacker last year. And you watch practice. This guy is the ultimate linebacker where he just can't go five minutes without maybe towing the line a little bit, hitting him maybe a little too hard just because it's part of his game, man. He is so much fun to watch out there. And I just think the combination of Oladejo, who is a giant out there, six foot three, 250, rangy, can make plays. 
and then Muwaso, kind of slightly undersized, but he has he's he's everything you want from a linebacker. He has a heart of a lion out there, and he's sideline to sideline. He's quick. He's got great balls. Um, pick off multiple passes last year at Hawaii. He had I think like six or seven sacks, you know, in a singular season there. So he can rush the passer if necessary. The fact that we're banking on uh, Muwasa to take a jump after second team All Pac-12 play is so encouraging. Yeah. And I'll make a statement. I think Ken Norton Jr. is the best linebackers coach, not only in college football, but in football as a whole. If you see what he's done for Bobby Wagner, yeah. if you've seen what he's done for Khalil Mack, if you see what he did for the team across town when they had Brian Cushing, you know, yeah. um, gosh, uh, who's, who's the Cincinnati Bengals linebacker? Uh, you know, Clay Matthews, and there was another uh, – um, Samoan dude. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, the guy that hit – Thinking, um, Ray Maluga. Ray Ray Maluga. Mal- I said Muaga is Maluga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this guy, time and time again, like, if for whatever reason Ken Norton Jr., and God forbid this happens, ever has to step aside from UCLA, he'd have 32 NFL teams trying to call this guy. Like, that's just the, the linebacking coach that this guy is. So, under the tutelage of Oladeja and Muasa with this guy, I think this is going to be the best linebacking unit since Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, my man. Well, so so that's that's tricky. Woo, that's tricky because those two guys are like like when you translate from being a great um, when you translate from being a great college player to being an, an elite NFL player. I mean, like to me, Eric Kendricks reminds me of what Donnie Edwards was. He was always like almost all pro, but for whatever reason, they didn't. He would always have a million tackles, and he was always exactly. They had such great instincts, and Donnie was smaller than Kendricks, but Donnie was always where he was supposed to be. So he had a great NFL career. May not be a Hall of Famer, but he's like that next level down. I feel like Kendricks is going to end up being that kind of player. Like he just always is like when you look at their teams, and I know he's not with the Vikings anymore, he is always leading the team in tackles. Like always. Like he's always either one or two every week. And it's just he's that great. But we had a run of some linebackers now. We had Miles Jack. We had uh, we had Brown. We had Young. We had we had dudes. So for these guys to step into that world, like we were almost like linebacker you for a short period of time there. We had four or five back years up, yeah. some NFL dudes. That were, and then I didn't even mention Anthony Barr, who was a running back for Coach Neuheisel. Crazy. Finally, Crazy. you know, figured it out and went over to to. to to defense and, and now look what he's doing. So um, that's lofty praise. And I hope Jeez. it works out because for Muasau to be like Kendricks, for example, what Kendricks was so great at was recognizing, and this is the stuff that we talked about when I talk about quarterbacks, some great quarterbacks that, that people don't know why they're great because they don't jump real high and they don't, they don't, they can't throw it through a brick wall and they can't, they just always kind of, they're Joe Montana. They just always throw it to the open guy when they're supposed to. And it's just like some guys just have that ability. At linebacker, Eric Kendricks was, to me, he's one of the Mount Rushmore players in UCLA history. And I really, I really wow. mean, he's like, he, he was, big. because that guy read plays faster. Like he knew where you were going. He, he, I mean, as soon as the guard moved, he, he filled. Like he knew exactly. And it was weird. You would look up and you'd be like, how did he get there so fast? Because it wasn't like he was the fastest guy in the world. So, if these current linebackers can start sniffing that world, which is in the, in the film room, right? Where you really, you have to have the instincts. It's kind of a natural thing, but when you're so good 
that you can read plays and you're kind of jumping whatever the, the offense is doing. Those are the guys that are special. Yeah, I completely agree. And to like, just to clarify, I don't know if they're going to have the NFL career that those guys have. Right. I just think on paper, with the coaching you have in Ken Norton Jr., who can raise any ceiling of a linebacker to about as high as it can be, I think this is the best tandem I've seen since those guys. So that's my kind of statement with like that. It. But, I mean, you alluded to it. I got to hear your Mount Rushmore for UCLA if you have one, man. <laughs> Top four. Look, yeah, give it to me. It's, it's weird because because Kendricks, it's like it's hard for me to knock him down. I mean, I, I and I know people get mad, but I'm going based on, like, best players. I'm not always going off of, like, because it's kind of like I just saw this in the NBA. It's just like, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Boogie Cousins. Yeah. Got a ring with the Lakers, right? So he's a, he's got a ring. Charles Barkley, they always give him crap because he doesn't have a ring, but who was a better player? Barkley. Charles Barkley was a much better player than, than, than Marcus Cousins. I mean, it's not even close. So to me, you know, it's like say, saying Jim Kelly wasn't a good quarterback because he went to the Super Bowl four times and didn't oh, win, or John Elway, who lost his first three Super Bowls and won his last two. But, oh, that was because of Terrell Davis. I'm like, well, yeah, but, but he's still freaking John Elway. And those guys are amazing, amazing, amazing players. So – Kendricks had the stats because I think he was one of the leading tacklers in the history of, of, of UCLA. But so anyway, I always put Aikman there, even though I know Aikman was Owen against SC. I just think Aikman's one of the best players UCLA's ever had, if not the best. Number one um, overall pick. You've got to go back to people like Kenny Easley, one of the oh. greatest defensive players of all time. Jerry Seahawks Robinson, plays. one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Um, I actually will put my guy, J.J. Stokes, on any list of best receivers UCLA's ever had. Go back and watch the film. That yes. guy was a beast, an absolute beast, and I, I would be hard-pressed to argue that we have anybody that's been better than him. Um, well, running backs like Maurice Jones-Drew, I told you I love him. Deshaun Foster, I loved him. But you can go back and you can talk about guys like Gaston Green. You can talk about Freeman McNeil. Um, Ogden. Uh, well, so Ogden's on it because Ogden may be the best at his position that's ever lived. Yes, yes. So, so Ogden actually is your first choice. Yeah, agreed. I agree. Because, because, because when you when you go down everybody I just talked about, there's a lot of arguments that there's other players, like even Troy. As much as I love him, and he's got three rings, I, I still don't have him as my number one quarterback of all time, which is not a slight on Troy because he's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. And he's an awesome dude, but like, there's there's a few others that I put above him, and but Ogden and I know people will throw out or Orlando Pace or the or, or or you know whoever, but I'm sorry, but when you're in that argument for like one or two, John Ogden goes first. So and and obviously I'm leaving some people out too. There, there's just been so many great players, but those are some good ones right there. Some hell of hell of a list, Wayne, and I love it, man. Well, I'm going to have to talk to you about Ogden next time we have you on because I think he was there by the time you were there. Is that correct? Yeah, you know what? He, he played one year with Cade after me, but he was my left tackle my two, my two starting years. And I'm telling you, and he missed a few games because he was hurt, but, man, that's a, that's a security blanket to have that guy. Hey, hey, Will, let me tell you another quick story. So yes, I'm out at practice um, – I'm out of practice the other day, and I, I look over, and there's David Shaw. Okay, David Shaw, legendary coach, and for, Stanford, for yes. everybody that that doesn't think, and I told him, I, I told him, I said, you're a future Hall of Fame coach. 
Stanford was a top five team in the nation for like a decade. I know some of that started with Jim Harbaugh, but it, it progressed. And we uh, we played against each other. So he was in the early 90s. And so I went up and introduced myself just to say hi. And he goes, Wayne Cook? He goes, yeah, we play, you know, and he started talking about the games we played in and like, like it was funny. And so we talked the whole practice. So I got two hours of David Shaw, Wayne Cook, just great conversation. And I won't tell you everything we talked about. I don't even know if I'm allowed to, but, <laughs> but first of all, he's a great guy. He has a ton of respect for Chip Kelly. He, he does. Those two both, they both have a ton of respect for each other. And we've known that before, but he told me some Andrew Luck stories. Because I, I, I know we're going to end because I think this is important because we're talking about quarterbacks. And he was telling me a story, and I'm going to butcher this a little bit. So, so David Shaw, if you're listening, Coach Shaw, I, I apologize, but I'm going to paraphrase this to make it kind of a version of your story. So when he was fighting for the job at Stanford, I, I think they kind of gave him the reins and said, you and the other quarterback, you just, you, you're going to call the plays. And you're, going to, you're going to do what you want to do. And so for the entire scrimmage, he basically said that, that – Andrew Luck pretty much called all of his plays and like 90% of them were run plays. And at, at the end, and they ran for like 300 yards. And at the end of the other quarterback threw the ball a bunch and all that stuff. And they could like, what were you doing, Andrew? Weren't you trying to show us? And he goes, no, I was competing against the defensive coordinator and I kicked his butt. Wow. He was calling the plays that mattered. He wasn't worried about his stats. He was just wanting to win the football game. And then it was funny. There was another story that he told me about coach Harbaugh. And he said, Andrew Luck was out of practice and Coach Harbaugh would praise him a lot. Like, great job, Andrew, great job. And Andrew came up to him after practice. He goes, I don't need you to praise me anymore. Just tell me what I'm doing wrong and what I need to work on. Wow. Wow. When you talk about greatness, and Andrew Luck would have gone on to be one of the greatest quarterbacks. I mean, his career was short. When you talk about quarterback position, I always bring up, and he told me that because he because after we talked for a while, he knew I would love it. We need to find guys that are selfless, that take on the game like Andrew Luck did. Like if we can run the ball 40 times and kick your butt and get to the right place over and over and over again, I will do that to win. It's not about accolades. It's not about how much your money you're getting in NIL. It's not about your next commercial. It's about I'm going to win football games and all that other stuff will take care of itself. And so I love that Andrew Luck story because both of them, because it tells you a lot about who he was. And by the way, he was also a guy that could step away from the game when most people couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I know for a fact that we have a lot of those guys trending forward in the future for UCLA. So a great note to end on. My man, Wayne Cook, thank you for coming through as always. It is always a blast to talk UCLA football with you, man. Make sure you are liking and subscribing to the UCLA LAFB channel. We're going to have more stuff for you guys all this week. We may have a Carson Steele interview coming soon, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but Bruin Bible, we are officially out.